Making Systems series. I'm Michelle Palazon, your host and the head witch in charge here at Holisticism. And I'm so excited to continue this series with a deeper look at the Enneagram. If you're new here, first off, hi, so nice to see you. You think you're signing up for a wellness and spirituality podcast, but I'm going to say the fuck word a lot. And if you've, you've come back and you, you know us, hey, buddy, how's it going? Thanks for tuning me in your ear holes. I really appreciate that. I really do mean it. Love you. We are on our second episode of our meaning making system series. Our brains love meaning making systems as human beings, right? Because all a meaning making system does is helps us understand the world more clearly and help us feel safe in the world because it makes the world logical. It's like a cipher for the world around you. So we use meaning making systems like astrology and tarot and Enneagram and human design, but we also use religion and spirituality and political affiliation and identity to make sense of the world around us or life philosophy, right? These are all meaning-making systems. And at their best, meaning-making systems, again, help us understand the world, right? It's a way to decode what we see around us and also have safe expectations or feel safety. So we wanted to talk about meaning making systems specifically when it came to wellness and well-being because they edge so often on the border between being really helpful and useful and helping us not feel shame around who we are and understand the world and feel at peace with the world. And also being on the flip side of that, totally culty (laughs) and like totally problematic and actually like super rigid so much so that they prevent us from truly being in the world and experiencing the world the way that we want to, that we desire to, which is with personal sovereignty and freedom and joy. So we're looking at some meaning making systems that somewhat seem a little bit culty sometimes. And we're asking practitioners who know about this stuff, what's the line? At what point are you just like, you're making all of your life choices and decisions because of a meaning making system versus trusting yourself. And I think that's where things get a little shady. But I'm so excited to talk about the Enneagram with Michelle Anderson. Before I talk about Michelle, just wanted to give you a heads up that because we're talking about systems, we actually just launched a new course at Holisticism. It is so fun. And it is a limited edition live course. It's called Notion for Magical Baddies Who Can't Finish Projects or Remember Things But Are Really, Really Intuitive and Cool and Funny and Smart, but also just need to find a system that makes boring shit fun and easy so they can stop wasting their time worrying about a chaotic email inbox and just finally make space for their creative, intuitive brains to thrive. That is the full title. Notion for Magical Bodies, as we are shortening it in the crew, is a four-week highly interactive live cohort course designed to teach squiggly-brained, intuitive people how to create personalized, intuitive systems that make their lives easier and less cluttered and more magical and more full. Because our brains are not for storage, they're for thinking, they're for ideating, they're for intuiting. And we spend all of our time trying to store information and like hold on to it and grasp it. We are crowding out the space for our brains to really do the work that they're here to do, which is to think, to create, to ideate, to intuit, to be psychic, to be magical, right? So This is totally about creating a system that works for you because at their best, systems make our lives much easier, much faster, and basically seamless and 
painless. And at their worst, systems feel like admin tasks that you're like, you're slogging through the mud and they shouldn't feel like that. Most people, I think that's most people's like, (laughs) honestly, experience with systems is that they're fucking boring and admin work and busy work. And that's not the point. Your system's not working if that's what your system feels like. So that's what this course is about. It's about teaching you in real time how to create systems for yourself. By the end of the course, you'll have a full Notion dashboard and system built for yourself, plus the wherewithal to continue building on those systems, create them for other people and create them in different areas of your life, from your personal life to your home, to your business, to the creative projects and endeavors that you want to take on. And we really made this course... For people with ADHD, honestly. So if you're a normie, then wow, this is going to be like rocket fuel to you because that's who we are. That's the people on this team and holisticism. We built in features and structures to help squiggly brained nonlinear thinkers thrive in this course and in this structure. So this is not a self-guided course. It is live. That means that you got to join in every Monday at 5 p.m. for the first four weeks of August. And of course, there will be a replay if you need to check it out later. But this is about accountability. So if you have ADHD, that likely means that you don't produce dopamine or metabolize dopamine the way that a neurotypical person would. And so people with ADHD are constantly looking for a dopamine hit and for a dopamine rush because we need more than the average person. That's why we're jumping from thing to thing to thing because we get a new flood of dopamine when we jump around. It's also why we create things like anxiety and super stressful situations for ourselves because we need that like thrill, that rush, even if the thrill is dread and stressful and eventually becomes like really stressful and not not enjoyable and does the opposite of giving us dopamine. When we wait to the last minute, when we procrastinate, when we run up against a deadline, we understand that that's the only thing that gets us into action. And so we continue to create a system basically where we get into action. So you might, if you are someone like me, you might have created a system for yourself where you wait until the last minute to get things done because you know that's the only way to get things done. And that system is kind of working for you, but it's also destroying your life and maybe your friendships and your relationship and your well-being. So it's time to make a new system. Some other things that we've built into this course to help people who maybe are a little bit like me are simple instructions with really clear checklists and deadlines. Deadlines are an ADHD person's just BFF. We also have accountability groups to keep you motivated and on track. Accountability is the number one thing that people with ADHD need most of the time to get into action. We need to you know, have our integrity on the line when it comes to somebody else. We need to say, okay, I said I would do this thing. If I'm not going to do it for myself, I'm at least going to do it for my partner or for my therapist or for my coach or for whomever, the person I work, my collaborator, because I respect them and I want to be an integrity for them. It's like tricking yourself to doing it for you by doing it for somebody else. It's also a short cohort period. It's only four weeks, classes an hour long, and then there's a 30 minute action series right after the class. So you can leave if you want, but We practice this on the team at Holisticism. After a brainstorming meeting, we immediately have to do a task or an action to implement what we brainstormed because that gets the ball rolling, that gets you in momentum. And that momentum will take you pretty far as long as you run with it immediately after you brainstorm. I keep snapping because it's that's how it feels. It's like you got to make these deep connections. And then finally, there's a reward system that we built into this course. So if you complete the class in real time and you 
turn in your final assignment, which is a notion template that you will make a personal note notion template that you'll make. We'll be adding it to our notion template library for all the other magical baddies in your class. So you'll end this class with like 30 amazing templates that your cohort has made. But if you submit your template by the deadline, which is August 27th, I will give you back a hundred dollars. So you'll pay $4.99 for the class. I will give you back a hundred dollars. So you, you get 20% of your money back a hundred bucks back when you submit your final project. So we love a motivator because dopamine controls motivation. And those of us with ADHD are lacking motivation. Sometimes we're looking for it in all the wrong places. So we're replacing your negative motivators, things like pain and anxiety with positive motivators. Things like, Oh my God, I'm going to get a reward. It's going to be a really fun class. I hope you can join us. And I'm so excited to teach it. I love teaching live and I don't always get to when I'm teaching really long-term sort of like deeper concepts. And I just... I love it. So I'm, I'm really excited to teach you about this and have you walk away just feeling clear so that this is a lifelong skill that you'll be able to, to use all the time in your personal life. But if you get hired somewhere, if you lead a team, that is totally life-changing. So that starts on August 2nd. So you have a couple more days to register and then we're hitting the pavement. We're going to do it. The doors will close when we reach our capacity on the class because this is a live class. So I got to make sure that there's not too many people or else I can't give the individualized attention I need because that's another thing that I'm offering. So anyways, you can sign up for class links below. It'll be really fun. Now I'm delighted to introduce Michelle Anderson an Enneagram coach and Enneagram expert. We had Michelle come and speak to the North node and talk about the Enneagram. And we were just like, so amped on learning from her because I'm going to be honest with you. You. Although I've definitely drank the Kool-Aid when it comes to astrology and human design, I've always been a little hesitant around the Enneagram, probably because I'm a four and maybe the first book I read about the Enneagram just painted fours in a really bad light. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to be that. That's not me, but it's totally me. And I was also really curious to talk to Michelle and we talk about it on this episode because I've noticed that the Enneagram is like Christian girls version of astrology. Don't take that the wrong way. I grew up in Christianity. I grew up going to Catholic school. My entire family is Catholic. Like I thought that astrology and tarot and all, I was told all these things came from the devil when I was growing up. So I get it, but, but I've noticed that a lot of, it seems like evangelical and like, you know, Justin Bieber, Christian type of people, cool Christian people are really into Enneagram. And I think the convergence of these two meaning making systems, Christianity and the Enneagram is fascinating. Just goes to show you that we're always looking for meaning making no matter what. And it's almost like, well, if you're not going to be into astrology, you're going to be into, into the Enneagram. If you're not into the Enneagram, you're going to be into Myers-Briggs. If you're not into Myers-Briggs, you're going to be into, I don't know, StrengthsFinder. Because again, we love to understand ourselves through meaning-making systems. And if you're brand new to the Enneagram, it is a system where everyone is assigned a number. And basically your number tells you about the traits, main traits that you have, how you show up with other people. It is a very robust system that's been around for a long time. There's not one real guru who taught it. There are lots of scholars and and people who weigh in on it, which I think is really dope. I learned so much in this episode talking to Michelle. She's awesome. And I can't wait for you to go tell me what your Enneagram number is and take the quiz and, and see what you get. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Michelle, welcome to the 12th House Podcast. We're so happy to have you. 
Thanks, yeah. Michelle. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> I'm like 90% selfish and like selfishly wanted to have you on the podcast because I wanted to learn more about the Enneagram from your brilliant brain. And we were talking about before we hit play on this, but we were connected via our friend, Karen Lepage, who is like so gifted, also an amazing Gene Keys reader and just all around incredible stand-up human. And if she stands someone, then I know that I have to meet them. And she just had the best things to say about you and your work. But I'm getting ahead of myself. I want to roll the tape back a little bit. How did you get into the Enneagram? Yeah, great question. So I found the Enneagram or it found me, as they say, when I was home with my kids, I had just left corporate world where I felt like I was kind of a big deal. Yeah, you you were like a baller. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like I was, I had a tra- career trajectory. I was feeling like really good about, I knew where it was yeah. going. And then when I had kids, I get, it really forced me to rethink my priorities. Mm. I couldn't find childcare. That was really felt really good in my bones. And I ended up leaving Amazon and kind of figuring out how to do my own thing. Mm. And that threw me for more of a loop than I realized at the time. A you've got postpartum depression on top of things, which just like, I'd never experienced depression before in my life. Really? And so there was like all of these identity changing things happening to me kind of at the same time, that was a perfect storm for me to like show up at this mom's group and just hoping for someone to hold my baby and have a cup of coffee and have adult conversations and like just looking for a little bit of relief, you know, during that really demanding time. And there was this talk where the mentor laid out the nine Enneagram types with such simplicity and clarity that it felt like the heavens had opened up and there was like a spotlight shining down on her because what happened for me was instantly I could see even in just a couple minute descriptions of each of the nine types I could see which one was my husband that he's so logical and analytical that his statements aren't meant to be a criticism of me mm-hmm. and that as a one a perfectionist I'm likely so hard on myself that I perceive everything as criticism. Mm. So then my reactivity, I could instantly see how my reactivity was related to my stuff, Mm. anything that was happening or said in the moment, you know what I mean? And I could, I got this insight into my mother-in-law. I could see insight into my kids and that they are different than us in so many fundamental ways. And it just was was like instant clarity for me. And I was completely hooked. And the first thought I thought was, oh my God, I wish I had this as a new manager. Because when I have my first team and you like just are so earnest and you want the best for them, if I knew just a little bit about their personality types and like what motivated them and what scared them, I would have done things so differently. (laughs) So I was hooked. I went across the country learning about the Enneagram, going to workshops, reading all the books, and really didn't understand until I became a coach of the Enneagram, like how intuitive this was for Mm. me in a way that it wasn't necessarily for other people. I thought this was the answer to everything. Like I thought (laughs) it was so obvious to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. You're like typing people, you just get them. That's how you know you're natural at it. I like to say that the Enneagram is a personality typology that has describes nine archetypes. You can think of it as a sense-making framework that helps people understand your own habitual patterns of thinking, feeling, and behaving. That's at the heart 
of how you apply it. I think that's the easiest way to understand what it is. Although it's so much more <laughs> that people find it really helpful because it can accurately describe your interior landscape in a way that maybe you don't even fully understand or mm. haven't been able to articulate is what I should say. Of course, you know, your own inner experience, but not always, but it all, not always. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> we'll talk about that too, but it also helps you understand the way that you relate to other people and what's driving them. And I think that's a lot of the magic for me of the Enneagram versus other types, like trying to wrap your head around all 16 Myers-Briggs types and like what makes them work is kind of hard. There's not a lot of intuition for me. It's really hard. It's really letters. Also many. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I think working with nine archetypes is a little bit easier to understand people's motivations and what makes them work. And I, I think about the Enneagram as this modern framework with ancient roots, this evolving system of thought that's related to a practice of integration. So better understanding who you are by integrating all the different parts of you. And it describes like this homecoming to who you were created to be versus who you're supposed to be or who you start to identify with. I should say the nine archetypes might better be understood as the armor that you intentionally wear that over time you mistakenly believe is like the whole of who you are. And so at its core, I think the Enneagram is soul work. Mm -hmm. It's coming home to your essential self. And it answers questions people have been asking forever around like, who am I really? And what motivates me and how is that different than other people? And how can I feel more fulfilled and satisfied and happy? What for me, you know, is going to move the needle and why does change feel so hard? <laughs> like how, what are the ways that I might be getting in my own way, you know, mm-hmm. and it helps you figure out what up leveling looks like for you what work is yours to do in the world and how to stop doing that thing that you just can't, that you can't seem to make progress on. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That was beautifully articulated. And I think that's like what we're all looking for when we're, you know, casting our charts and astrology and digging into our human design types and looking at our Myers-Briggs, we're just like trying to, demystify and like get to the codex of who we are, right? Like what's this, what's the code that will help me understand this jumble of feelings and knowledge and reactions and emotions so I can be clear. And I kind of wonder sometimes like if we're actually searching for the wrong thing to be defined and to know who we are. And Mm -hmm. if instead of a clear deciphered message instead, I don't know, it's something else. It's like writing music. Like you just want to like create it instead of read something that's already been written. You want to write something fresh on the page. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. I think you just articulated something and help me understand a little bit how I see the Enneagram different than like human design or astrology, because with those systems, you can put in your birthday time and place and you get this like map, this user's guide that tells Mm -hmm. you everything you need to know theoretically, this is what you're hoping, at least when you start to work with it. But it's also kind of promised in that way. I'm going to tell you about yourself, you know, kind of a thing in a way that I feel like with the Enneagram, it's more like, hmm, I'm going to point you in this direction. I'm going to help you understand these habits that might be 
preventing you from being the whole of who you are. You know what I like to say? I have this analogy where if you think about a geode and, you know, these, again, you guys are in California. I'm sure you know. What you're doing, but, um, <laughs> yeah, we fuck with crystals. We, we, yeah. <laughs> so you have this geode and it's on the outside, it's this dull, hard layer. And until you break it open, you have no idea that there's this beautiful, colorful crystal formation that's sparkly, right? But it's like we're going around in the world, like, these rocks bumping into each other, just presenting this dull exterior thinking, oh, they're like this, or I'm like this, or, you know, whatever. And it's not until you kind of break it open and figure out how to make that permeable that you can even start to see that that coating is actually quite thin (laughs) and Mm -hmm. shallow. And that most of who I am is this like beautiful, expansive, hard to define, hard to understand, unique, different. Every single one is different, you know, kind of a thing. And so for me, it's like, the paths of integration, which we can talk about too, the process that you go through when you start to work with the Enneagram is a dance in part because your type is connected to at least five other types out of the nine. And so there's this way that you can intentionally use types to balance out your type. There's ways that you can use types to like find relief from stress. And they're all different types that you would use to do that, depending on which one is dominant for you. Mm -hmm. And the type gets formed around, it's a little bit of nature nurture. From what we understand, it gets formed around a childhood wound. Like there's all these things that happen in early childhood that set your unconscious patterns that the Enneagram starts to describe with specificity in a way I haven't really seen other systems do. Yeah. My experience of finding my type through that book was interesting because they have checklists at the beginning of each chapter. And basically the book says, figure out which one you are by going through the test and seeing if it aligns with a certain number. But essentially, if you don't feel like it's right, flip through the whole book, read all of them and see which one drags you the most. Even though I said it doesn't drag you, it really does. (laughs) I got I think a five and then I got a three and I did an online test and nothing was really feeling that right. And when I read seven, I was like a hundred percent. I feel dragged. That's me. But I, similar to what you were saying, the paths of integration were really relieving because it was enlightening to see how can you be your best and stop comparing yourself to other types because you're just, you're never going to be like a three. That's just not who you are. Ultimately. hundred percent. That's how I felt too. The process of finding your type. If you don't, if you read your t- a type description online and you're like, oh, I love this about myself. This is so me. You might not have the right type. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh my God, that's Everyone's exactly like, oh, I, I want to be a type. nine. I want to be a one or whatever it is. And no, it just doesn't work that way. There yeah, is, like, yeah, it's like this double-edged sword your strength is also your Achilles heel and there is this pain that gets pricked when you really read about a type or feel that revealed because it starts to articulate this thing that's been driving you this core fear this childhood wound this whatever it is in you that's that you don't even see is behind the scenes making choices for you directing how you pay attention there's this whole sense of self and identity that gets formed around it too and then your brain system 
you know, that sets up your filters will start to notice things that then reinforce those worldviews that early, those fears, and then, and avoid things or, or data that would dispute that, which then causes you to act behave in a certain way that then gets the results that reinforce the core belief in the first place. And this process of ego constriction happens. I don't know Mm. if I, if that makes sense to you, but then over time, it's like this reinforcing system that causes you to get stuck in these patterns Mm. and feel a righteousness about your stuckness. There's like nine kinds of righteousness almost, Mm. you know, because you have evidence that the world is really dangerous or scary or, you know, whatever. Each one has a slightly different flavor to what those are. Oh yeah. I love that you said you're a one when you emailed us right before this and you're like, what do I need? I'm a one. And I like that perspective because it's so self-sovereign. Like this is what I need in order to be successful and to feel comfortable in this space. And I'm using this to inform how I show up in the most appropriate way. How do you use your oneness or how can somebody use their Enneagram type in their work or how they show up with other people? Yeah. There's so many ideas. I'm having a lot of thoughts. (laughs) The first thing is there's kind of two dimensions to how I want to answer this. One is when you start to do this work, there is this data collection, this Mm -hmm. self-knowledge that you acquire about how you operate and how you work. And knowing that self-knowledge and having all of this data allows you to observe your own patterns, to see them Mm -hmm. with more clarity and to be able to advocate for yourself and because you understand what you need and want and what drives you. And so that self-knowledge actually helps to grow your emotional intelligence as well, because you start to see that there are these eight other ways mm-hmm. <laughs> of being, you know, getting work done, of needing to feel safe that sometimes are in conflict with yours. And so when that inevitably shows up in the workplace, because it does, because we're getting shit done and we're making things happen and we need to move faster and we have deadlines and, you know, whatever. And you've got these increasingly virtual teams and environments where it becomes even more challenging to, I think, work with each other or build rapport and that kind of a thing. So I think there's this self-knowledge that allows you to own your shit. And Mm -hmm. to show up in integrity that feels like it's a vulnerable thing to do. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? A lot of, I feel like in the past that would not have been looked upon. I think that's partially why a lot of the personality systems, the colors and, you know, whatever businesses tend to use that are a bit reductionist don't require that level of vulnerability. It's like we get to put people in boxes and that gives me some insight into how they work. You know what I mean? But the Enneagram you can be worked with at multiple depths. You can use it as a way to say, okay, these are the main motivations. This is what they need to be productive. And knowing that about your team can be super insightful and helpful Mm -hmm. because then you can kind of work with them and make sure they have what they need and then they can run and take off because they also know what you need to feel safe or good about. So it gives you this common language to talk about things and get to the heart of the matter more Mm -hmm. efficiently. Yeah. 
we've been co-working more as a team, everyone gets something so different from it. For one of us, it might be a sociability and we problem solve. We get a lot done in one sense, but then we also get no work done. (laughs) So it's this balance of we need to do this. It's good for the team, but it fills everyone up in a different way. So ultimately you leave being like, well, that was good, but now I'm unbalanced in this way. (laughs) Yeah. As, as the four in the room, I'm always like, this was good. I need to be alone and I can't, I did not get anything done today. So now I have to go do eight hours of work at home, but I love you. And I'm so happy that I could be with you all day. This was great. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I totally get that. I think as a one, one is often called a perfectionist or a reformer. So knowing that about myself as a manager or, you know, would have helped me to articulate, look, guys, I have this superpower for strategic thinking. I can see things that I'm not saying I'm right, but there is this truth to it. But that same superpower also is like, I can see when there's a better way to do this. Mm -hmm. And in my need to go faster, because I'm on the hook for results, and I want to be a good person. That's my core, like, belief that I need to be my sense of self, my idealized sense of self is that I'm a good person, Mm -hmm. I need to be a good person. And that means I follow the rules a little bit more than other people. I might point things out to you in a way that I feel like is helpful, but you might not feel the same way about it. So then depending on your other type, that that interaction could be sort of problematic. Like if you're a seven and I'm micromanaging because I feel like you might not be following through in the way that makes me really nervous or puts me on the hook with my boss in a way that is going to trigger me. You can start to see how it is super insightful and unique in terms of like what the dynamics of the two types relationships are too, because you'll rub against each other in really predictable ways that at first is a little pinch that kind of rubs me the wrong way in a work environment. And then you just stop like communicating and in a certain way, or the next time they say something, you're going to get really triggered because there was a seething resentment happening over here in the past that wasn't dealt with. So having this kind of insight into each other and coupling that with like strong communication skills allows you to kind of prevent that from blowing up and also to have a more like a deeper relationship with your coworkers where you're like co-creating this thing in a way that feels really good to come to work, you know, Mm. because we're invested in each other too. And it's not a win-lose situation. It's not necessarily right or wrong. It's like, there are different ways of looking at this and our combined strength, the diversity of our perspectives is our superpower, if we know how to harness that, Mm. if we're able to not take it super personally, or if our stuff isn't getting triggered in the process. Quick little break for our newest sponsor, Open. Open is a digital mindfulness studio for everyone. And I'm so excited that they're sponsoring the podcast because I am such a fan and you know me. I feel like a lot of things. <laughs> Let's just be honest. I'm pretty picky. And when I found out about Open, I was kind of expecting it to be like every other digital mindfulness app and meditation app out there. But when I logged in for my first class, it was 
honestly, like nothing else I'd ever experienced. It was a phenomenal experience. It is so unexpected and delightful. And it's also a beautiful background experience. And I know that that sounds... I don't know, like kind of silly, but the vibes and the aesthetics are immaculate and it makes you feel immediately like, oh, I'm in the right place. I can breathe. Classes are available in the open app and on the desktop. There are fresh classes every day. So you can take on-demand classes or you can take live classes. And when you join the live classes, you can invite your friends to come with you. And then when they join, it actually alerts you that your friend is joined with you. I will find every excuse not to meditate and not to do breath work. And it's totally changed the game for me. Once you get going, it's hard to stop. And, and that's a good thing because I think we could all use a little bit more calm focused, centered energy in our lives. And also as someone with ADHD, I love that opens classes are as short as six minutes. Um, I've never, honestly, I've never done anything longer than 30 minutes because I just can't. You can get started with your meditation or breath work or just morning self-care, afternoon self-care, whenever you want self-care routine. And I've got great news. You can get started with your meditation, breath work, yoga, Pilates, whatever it is, mindfulness habit with open. And you get your first 30 days for free when you join using the code holisticism at checkout. We'll put a link below in our show notes. You can just click through there, but you can also hop into the site at openo-p-e-n.com and type in holisticism and you'll get your first 30 days for free. We're also doing some really fun 30-day challenges inside of the cusp. So if you want to meditate with us and really take advantage of that group sesh vibe, then make sure you're you're checking out the events inside the cusp. It's really fun to meditate together because accountability. <laughs> and, and it's also fun to wave to each other. And Open has this little chat. So you can chat to people and send them emojis. I love to be hyping people up inside of any sort of chat feature. So I really appreciate that. And there's so much more I could say about open, but you just got to try it. Like just truly go look at it. It will blow your mind. And I can't wait to hear what you think. So I'll see you in class. I was thinking about the difference of how you would approach work relationships and personal relationships. Cause my brother is also a four Yeah, and I'm really close with him. And I was like, Oh, I actually didn't know you were a four, Michelle. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about how I act with my brother and what works and what doesn't. But that's in the context of us being brother and sister. Mm -hmm. And so even just hearing this now, I'm like, hmm, okay, thinking about it and how that changes in each given scenario and context. Mm. Yeah. For me, it doesn't. So like, oh, okay. <laughs> unpopular opinion. Maybe the, the one knows what's right. Listen to her. She has the answer. Let's hear it. I don't know. I mean, for me, that same insight into my husband, what makes him tick? His fears that get triggered in relationship and what his needs are for being productive or, you know, supported. Don't look that different for him professionally. Hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Good point. Your ability to contribute to this relationship, it might look different than what you contribute in a workspace, but that ego constriction that happens for all of us, that's part of the human process that makes mm -hmm. us more reactive, that limits what we think is possible for ourselves, that 
creates us predictable patterns of reactivity. The Enneagram lays out specific emotional habits mm. that you operate on. That when you're on autopilot, it's this habit that you use sometimes. It's like this water that you're swimming in. It for one that is irritation and resentment. So there's this like low level irritation that's happening around the way the world works. Do you know what I mean for me? Like most of the time. And so it doesn't take much. To Maybe I'm that. one. <laughs> four is connected to one and two. So you, your fourness is a combination of one and two and your sevenness is a combination of one and five. So oh. we haven't even gotten into like how do you find your type, how the types are related to each other and that journey. But that relationship between your number next to you on the circle, which are often called your wings. Yeah. And then the numbers that are across the circle that are connected by lines in the middle are part of the dance of your type mm. and specify specific strategies for getting out of sticky situations. Cool. You get access to multiple and as just a manager who has PTSD from being a manager way too young, I was a 20 year old idiot trying to manage other people and it did not go well and people did not like me because I sucked and I really resisted hiring people. I ran holisticism by myself for like four years before I hired a super small team of genius people, but it's one of my biggest, most scaredy cat areas of my life where I'm like, I don't want to mess up. I want to do this really well. And it really is, it like takes a lot of energy for me to do it and to be really present for it because I've read so many books about it and studied it for so long. And I know that everyone needs something different. And I can't approach everyone on my team the same way. They're all motivated by different things and react in different ways. And every, every time I'm like, I feel settled and like, okay, cool. I get it. I get kind of thrown for a loop and I'm like, nope, no, you can't just rest on your laurels. Managing people is very active. Yes. And because you are connected to a type two, when you're stressed, you might do more caretaking than is helpful. That is a hundred percent what happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then maybe looking for love or connection or whatever through possibly over-functioning sometimes. I can probably attest every time. I'm like, it's okay. I can do it. It's, it's okay. Like, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The thing that's so cool about the Enneagram is like, you're not the only one. This is very predictable. Mm-hmm. And it has to do with how that core fear works and all of the kind of ways you made sense of the world as you were growing up and as a young adult, et cetera. And as you get into your late twenties or early thirties, those strategies stop working mm. for you as well as they used to typically. So that's why a lot of people don't come to this work until later. And I think it's really cool that a lot of youngins <laughs> are messing around with a system that's a little less irreverent. I think it does everybody a lot of good. It also creates memification of this information that is not helpful, Mm -hmm. that loses all of the nuance and complexity of the system. But to the extent that we're starting to have this conversation earlier and that we're using these different modalities as a way to grow our self-awareness and emotional intelligence or mental complexity is a huge step in the right direction in terms of this is the very work that we need to be doing to heal ourselves and to heal our economy, 
the world, etc. I'm excited about where this is going, even if yeah. it gets messy. <laughs> yeah. And I love a system that can react and respond to like what happens around it that isn't so rigid that it can't take into consideration our like evolution as humans. And I think when it comes to gender, we're really breaking a lot of barriers and stretching ourselves in the way that we think and breaking down binaries. And it seems like that actually might be part of the Enneagram, although at first blush, it maybe doesn't seem like it because you're breaking people into specific types. It feels really fluid to me. And it's mm -hmm. a, a system that you, you don't just memorize what number you are. You, in order to really use it in the best way possible, you, you kind of have to understand how it all flows together. Yeah, for sure. I mean, honestly, for me, the motivation was less about understanding myself. Once I got that kind of initial insight that I might be a little critical and perfectionistic, it's like, yeah, tell me something I don't know. But I really <laughs> wanted to understand the other people in my life. That was the motivation for me. And you kind of have to understand all the types because how they act when they're stressed, it looks different than when they're chilling and relaxed mm. and kind of have access to their whole self, you know? And so yeah. the more mastery you have of the system, the more insight you'll be able to get into other people mm -hmm. and the more you'll be able to kind of work with your own dynamics in a way that will serve everybody, help you get what you want. Well, I like the way I tried to separate it into personal relationships and then work. And you're like, not really. Everything, <laughs> everything is out. everything. You're <laughs> Turns out. Yeah, it's true. I talk about this a lot, actually, in the context of with my entrepreneurs about what it takes to become a visionary, resilient change maker. Mm -hmm. And this capacity to build your complexity beyond boxes, to be able to question all of your mental maps is a key skill that's required to navigate an increasingly complex and volatile and uncertain world that that we all need to start to build our capacity towards and not very many people are able to do that like less than a third of the population really why why one third? theoretically are able to look at the own filter that they look through the world it's like 35 36 percent maybe oh my it, gosh my mind is just exploding right now wow every every two out of three people is not going to be able to be on your level <laughs> <laughs> yeah they physically do not have the capacity this wow. comes from <laughs> um, dr robert keegan's work on adult development and specifically mental complexity super interesting <sighs> Look into it. I actually think that the Enneagram is like the most effective tool I've ever come across to build both mental complexity and flexibility and agility because you start to see all these perspectives. You start to question your own filter in which you see the world, but it also builds your emotional intelligence at the same time. So you've got this like double whammy of empathy and perspective taking from the heart space and from a head space that, mm. I mean, there's no holding you back from that point because you'll have this ability to be resilient, to, but also take on this more regenerative, flexible, big picture thinking, strategic, innovative, creative, you know, stance as you step into the world, like fully yourself at the same time. My hesitancy with the Enneagram actually came from my experience with it has been deeply religious. 
And I feel like I see the Enneagram yeah, as like the astrology for Christian people. And like, yes. And I grew up, you know, like going to Catholic school and being religious and I'm Italian. So that's not a foreign subject to me, but it made me a little, I was like, "Mm, I don't know. I don't know if I vibe with that necessarily. Does my personality type need to be related back to a Bible verse? I don't, I don't know if I I jam on that. And I think it can be a bit alienating to some people who maybe are more agnostic or aren't religious, religious, but yeah, I think there's a couple of, a couple of things to pull on there. One is what is the deal with the religious terminology in the Enneagram? <laughs> yeah, why is, why is it like that? <laughs> I didn't, I haven't encountered that. I basically, I've had one book on it that my aunt gave me and it didn't have a lot of religious talk in it. So I wonder which I I should pull up which one it was because I haven't had that experience and I'm fascinated by this. It is in part because of the history of the Enneagram and the way the Enneagram made its way to the United States and is currently being used. So if Mm. Wallace, if your introduction to the Enneagram is through like a business corporate setting, you would use different books and different tools to talk about the Enneagram. Yeah. For most people, the Enneagram came to the U.S. by way of South America in the 70s and was used as a spiritual direction tool in the Jesuit community. What? Yes. Wow, that's so so interesting. Yeah, I have a blog post on my website that walks you through the whole thing, but... In the 70s, late 60s and 70s is when the Enneagram really was being formulated as a typology with nine types and modern psychology was starting to be layered on top of this kind of process tool and a way of understanding human nature. And in fact, nine types go back to like the 13th century. Right. I was going to say it's like ancient, right? Like there's mm -hmm. some, there's some history there. Yeah. And it was used in like seven deadly sins or like an you know, got rid of a couple or in the process at some point. I don't know. That's probably not the right way to say this. The Pope did some editing there. No, but you know, yeah. It, yeah, exactly. it also happened to the Bible. So <laughs> exactly. he always manages to get his way in there. That somehow. guy. <laughs> no, but I think it's important to know that it wasn't just coming in the 13th century. There were like these three major threads of thought the Enneagram was kind of being played with or not as we know it today is what I'm trying to say so modern Enneagram as we know it today with like psychodynamics and personality types and the way that we use it to kind of profile people yeah (laughs) just frankly is very different than the way that it would have shown up historically but in the 13th century you've got Sufis using it you've got like the threads of thought showing up in the Kabbalah the tree of life, Mm -hmm. all of these things, the common roots that a lot of spiritual traditions were kind of playing with at the time. And then the early desert fathers were kind of thinking about the seven deadly sins and, you know, like the ways that people were getting in the way of knowing God or becoming their best Mm -hmm. self. And really that's kind of the root of some of this. There were these patterns and trends in human nature that kind of helped them see, oh, Mm -hmm. some people you know, trip over this thing. And some people, you know, have problems with other things. The beauty of the Enneagram is that it is deep. It is really deep. And I think that can make it seem overly complex. 
for mm-hmm. people when they first, you know, start getting into the system. There is this mathematics, this philosophy that's embedded in the symbol and the way the symbol works and how it was designed. That is really kind of interesting and fascinating. You know, it goes back to like sacred geometry principles in ancient Greece, even. So you can see these like mm-hmm. threads of thought of human nature, of the process of change, the process of evolution that kind of all make their way into the Enneagram as we know it today, which I think is pretty powerful because it's like, I love that it's evolving. Not very many of these (laughs) systems and archetypal systems evolve with the latest neuroscience because it's so rich and symbolic and nuanced. You're able to kind of capture a lot within the system itself as a way of thinking about it. Do you know any deeper specifics of the culture might've originated within? I'm always just curious to sort of follow that thread of who were the original people talking about this and what identities did they hold? Yeah. So the problem is it's super mysterious. There Mm -hmm. isn't a lot of documentation and the folks who developed it, like Gurdjieff in the 1920s really is kind of the thought leader before Naranjo or Ichazo, you know, like we're developing the psychological types. They were drawing on his work and he kept, they kept things really close to the chest intentionally. They did not think that we were ready for this type of wisdom or knowledge as lay people. And we know that most of the early thought leaders in this space traveled through the Middle East at some point. Mm, mm-hmm. And so this is not developed by white men in the United States. <laughs> you know, yeah. really, it, both Naranjo and Ichazo were South American, one Bolivian and one Chilean. Mm. And they're the ones who brought the typology to the United States and to California, where they were having small in home conversations with seekers and teaching this tradition orally over time. And I think before that point, there were people who were working with Gurdjieff. I don't know if you're familiar with Gurdjieff. He's the creator of the fourth way. He evidently was super eccentric and was doing lots of like somatic work Mm. and was really just trying to wake people up. That was his main thing is y'all are asleep to who you are, to what you can be. Mm. And he had a really kind of abrasive personality. I've heard that he would just like really get things going. And he was not very revealing Mm. about the wisdom that he had. That was like, he knew how to push your buttons. He knew how to get a result from you in order to to help you grow, but it was all being done in really small circles and one-on-one as far as I know. I feel like I remember reading this, Michelle shared with you that I was reintroduced to the Enneagram actually around my birthday this year, because we went to the desert, we stayed in a house and there were like three Enneagram books and that was it. And so I was like, well, I guess this is what I'm doing this weekend. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, okay, fine. I get it. Like it's time. I'll read it. And and that was like the first chapter was like these two guys, they've fallen apart and then they've come back together. And I always think it's so interesting when there's like infighting in a community. Oh my gosh. From my understanding, I don't know. I haven't picked a camp yet. So (laughs) I don't feel super loyal to one side or the other, but there are very specific ideas about how this should be done, how typing should happen and that kind of thing. And my understanding was there were even early lawsuits about the dissemination and publication of this information. I think it's important to acknowledge that people have been wrestling with this content and fighting over which is the right way or not, but nobody owns the Enneagram. There's no like dogma 
mm-hmm. you know, around mm-hmm. it. It's all experimentation and what works for you and what do you think is, you know, the right way to do it. Oh my God, Michelle. So if anyone at the beginning of this episode was like, eh, I don't know about Enneagram. I know by this point they've like pulled up on their phone, which Enneagram test to take. And like, they're looking at it, they're looking for books. So where do you recommend that people start? Cause I know there's a lot of perspectives on like how to figure out what your type is and all that stuff. Yeah. Finding your Enneagram type is different than other personality typologies. And while there's a bunch of tests out there, they aren't standardized and most of them end up being accurate only about half of the time. But for some people, they can self-identify by just looking at the Enneagram Institute descriptions and they have comparisons between types that are called mistypes because sometimes it's confusing. Mm. So they'll pit two side by side so you can kind of poke around and compare, which is super helpful because it's not necessarily that the tests are terribly designed generally, (laughs) although some might, might be, I don't know. But the thing Mm -hmm. is what makes your Enneagram type you is your underlying often unconscious motivations. Mm -hmm. And because they lie outside of your consciousness, you don't have access Mm -hmm. (laughs) if you haven't done this work. Identify and do that, (laughs) fill in those bubbles. You're like, "Mm." yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's really hard. So the blue book, what I call the blue book, the wisdom of the Enneagram is a good one because it has a quiz in the front and it has like thoughtful journaling questions throughout the book that will kind of dig around the edges and help you kind of triangulate around your type. I'm also coming out with a course soon this summer that's going to walk you through a three-step process to do this for yourself. Yeah. Without having to read all the books. That'll be good. Cool. That will be perfect for which type? Which type doesn't want to read all the books? Oh my gosh. Well, sevens are actually quite... It actually can be quite serious if it's the right book. She is. She's, yeah. She loves to read. I feel like I I'm know. your mom right now. The, because they're in the head I type, do like I to read. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Probably more likely an A would be like, what, what is it? Just give me the like, you know, Cliff's Notes mm-hmm. version and let's mm-hmm. move on. Actually, all types can are kind of curious and come at this work from different perspectives. I've been surprised about the diversity of people that show up on all the different workshops. There are some that are want to talk about themselves more than others. Like fours are not afraid to like explore their interior landscape. Their whole MO is like figuring out who they are. Who am I really? (laughs) All the fours I know are like so emotional and they're so in tune with their internal worlds in a way that I actually think is so beautiful. And I, because I'm constantly like stimulation, stimulation outside of myself. <laughs> like I'm so the opposite. <laughs> yeah, it is their superpower, the capacity to be with emotions yeah. that are more difficult and, and hold it. Yeah. Hold space for other people Sometimes to do the same. Joyful, I would say okay. sometimes we like to just want it, wait into that feeling for a little too long. You know, I wasn't going to say it, but <laughs> I, can say it. <laughs> I can say it. If anyone is in therapy, the refrain or the core wound that they come up with and are working with their therapist consistently could probably direct them to what their type is. Mine is I'm too much. I'm too much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Eights get that a lot too, because they bring so much energy into the world. They are like the vital life force. Karen Mm. is an eight and she just Mm. like fills up a room in the best 
way and wants to keep things moving. But eights are also often told that they are too much. There are three types in particular that can come across as pretty intense. I am so grateful that you made the time for us. And where can people find you? I know you're going to be in the North Node and then anyone who joins the North Node after this will get the replay. But how can people find you if they're not in the North Node? You can find me at my website at michellekanderson.com. And all my social media links are there. I'm on Instagram at michelle.k.anderson. And I run a Facebook group called Up Level with the Enneagram that's free that people can search out too if they cool. want. All of that's linked at my website. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. This was so fun. Thank you for thank inviting you. me. that's it thanks for tuning in to the 12th house podcast yet again i hope you loved this episode and just as a reminder we are doing a giveaway for 10x your community constellation our course that teaches you how to build a community from scratch i literally take the playbook that i use to make and grow the holisticism community and give you the exact emails that i sent so you can take what I learned and take, learn from my mistakes and implement it for yourself. So we're giving away 10X Your Community Constellation. If you write a review for the podcast and you send us a text message at the link below, 10X Your Community Constellation is a $300 course. So that's a pretty sweet benefit. And hey, if you want to immediately get it and download it and start acting on 10X Your Community and then you win, we'll give you your money back. <laughs> Because it's really great. If you're not building a community, get started. If you don't know where to get started, 10 Extra Community can definitely help you. But that runs till the end of July. So you have just a couple days left to write your review, submit it, and be entered to win our contest. Okay, that's it. Thanks for sharing and listening and liking and showing up every week for this this podcast. It's really cool. Really cool of you. We love making it for you and we, we really appreciate you. So thanks for tuning in. And, and if you like this, go ahead and share it on Instagram, tag us so we can hype you up and we can repost you and we'll see you on the internet. Okay. Bye. really cool oh my god michelle so if anyone at the beginning of this episode was like "Eh, i don't know about enneagram i know by this point they've like pulled up on their phone which enneagram test to take and like they're looking at it they're looking for books so where do you recommend that people start because i know there's a lot of perspectives on like how to figure out what your type is and all that stuff Yeah, it's a whole thing. And so I think the thing is finding your Enneagram type is different than other personality typologies. And while there's a bunch of tests out there, they aren't standardized. And most of them end up being accurate only about half of the time. So you should know that going in. Yeah, there is one test that I use with teams that has a 95% accuracy rate that is amazing. And it also gives you this big report you can take a professional report that also talks about, gives you not just your type and subtype, but which center of intelligence do you default to, mm-hmm. how you are in, how you should give and receive feedback, how you communicate in a professional environment and all of that stuff, which is really awesome. But for some people, they can self-identify by just looking at the Enneagram Institute descriptions and they have comparisons between types that are called mistypes because sometimes it's confusing. Mm. So they'll pit two side by side so you can kind of poke around and compare, which is super helpful because it's not necessarily that the tests are 
terribly designed generally, <laughs> although some might, might be, I don't know. But the thing mm -hmm. is what makes your Enneagram type you is your underlying often unconscious motivations. And because they lie outside of your consciousness, you don't have access <laughs> if you, you haven't can't done this identify and do that, <laughs> fill in those bubbles. You're like, mm. yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. it's really hard. So the blue book, what I call the blue book, the wisdom of the Enneagram is a good one because it has a quiz in the front and it has like thoughtful journaling questions throughout the book that will kind of dig around the edges and help you kind of triangulate around your type. So I think that's really helpful. So I'm also coming out with a course soon this summer that's going to walk you through a three-step process to kind of walk, do this for yourself. Yeah. Without cool. having to read all the books. Ugh, be good. Cool. That will be perfect for which type, which type doesn't want to read all the books. Oh my gosh. Well, sevens are actually quite... <laughs> It actually can be quite serious if it's the right book. She is. She's, yeah. She loves to read. I feel like I I'm know. your mom right now. The, because they're in the head I time, do like I to read. read. Yeah. It's yeah. true. Probably more likely an A would be like, what, what is it? Just give me the like, you know, Cliff's Notes mm. version and let's mm -hmm. move on. Actually, all types can are kind of curious and come at this work from different perspectives. I've been surprised about the diversity of people that show up on all the different workshops. There are some that are want to talk about themselves more than others. Like fours are not afraid to like explore their interior landscape. Their whole MO is like figuring all, out who they are. Who am I really? <laughs> Can all you the fours me? I know are like so emotional and they're so in tune with their internal worlds in a way that I actually think is so beautiful. And I, and because I'm constantly like stimulation, stimulation outside of myself. <laughs> like I'm so the opposite. <laughs> yeah, it is their superpower, the capacity to be with emotions yeah. that are more difficult and, and hold it. Yeah. Hold space for other people Sometimes to do the same. Joyful, I would say. Okay. Sometimes we like to just want it, wait into that feeling for a little too long, you know? I wasn't going to say it, but <laughs> I can say it. <laughs> I can say it. If anyone is in therapy, the refrain or the core wound that they come up with and are working with their therapist consistently could probably direct them to what their type is. Mine is I'm too much. I'm too yeah. much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Eights get that a lot too, because they bring so much energy into the world. They are like the vital life force. Karen mm. is an eight and she just mm. like fills up a room in the best way and wants to keep things moving but eights are also often told that they are too much there are three types in particular that can come across as pretty intense i am so grateful that you made the time for us and where can people find you i know you're going to be in the north node and then anyone who joins the north node oh, after this will get the replay but how can people find you if they're not in the north node you can find me at my website at michellekanderson.com and all my social media links are there. I'm on Instagram at michelle.k.anderson. And I run a Facebook group called Up Level with the Enneagram that's free that people can search out too if they cool. want. All of that's linked at my website. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. This was so fun. Thank you for thank inviting you. me. that's it thanks for tuning in to the 12th house podcast yet again i hope you loved this episode and just as a reminder we are doing a giveaway for 10x your community constellation our course that teaches you how to build a community from scratch i literally take the playbook that i use to make and grow the holisticism community and give you the exact emails that i sent so you can 
take what I learned and take, learn from my mistakes and implement it for yourself. So we're giving away 10X Your Community Constellation. If you write a review for the podcast and you send us a text message at the link below, 10X Your Community Constellation is a $300 course. So that's a pretty sweet benefit. And hey, if you want to immediately get it and download it and start acting on 10x your community, and then you win, we'll give you your money back. Because <laughs> it's really great. If you're not building a community, get started. If you don't know where to get started, 10x your community can definitely help you. But that runs till the end of July. So you have just a couple days left to write your review, submit it and be entered to win our contest. Okay. That's it. Thanks for sharing and listening and liking and showing up every week for this, this podcast. It's really cool. Really cool of you. We love making it for you and we, we really appreciate you. So thanks for tuning in. And, and if you like this, go ahead and share it on Instagram, tag us so we can hype you up and we can repost you and we'll see you on the internet. Okay. Bye.